312, and it is a bright, sunny day in the state of New York, all across the state of New York, even if the sun isn't shining. The metaphorical sun is shining in the state of New York today. It was a late night last night, but it was a good night for the state of New York, which I'll mention in a moment. Numbers today, 8.13 without the microclusters, 8.41. Microclusters are 9%, 161 deaths, and those people and their families are in our thoughts and prayers. Terrible way to start the new year. Hospitalizations are up 75, discharges 940, and admissions 1,161, ICU up 16, intubations up 26. We're seeing the continued increase from celebration of the holidays. It's the holiday COVID hangover. Uh, celebrate smart, you reduce the infection rate. If you don't celebrate smart, you have a hangover. The COVID hangover is increasing infection rate, increasing positivity rate, increasing hospitalization rate. And that's what we're seeing. That's what we're seeing all across the country. In this state, Finger Lakes is still the highest percent hospitalized. Uh, highest positivity, Finger Lakes, Mohawk Valley, and Capital Region. In New York City, uh, Staten Island. Uh, again, has the highest infection rate uh, in New York City. Manhattan, still at 3.9%. That variance is, is just incredible to me uh, and really shows how personal behavior uh, can make a dramatic effect. The numbers, the variance all across the state uh, makes that point also. Why is the southern tier at five and Finger Lakes is at 10? Why is Western New York, which had a real problem at eight, and Finger Lakes is at 10? It is a function of personal responsibility. There's a basic truth to this. It's not about government, it's personal responsibility. This situation we're in, I describe as a foot race between the infection rate going up, uh, the hospitalization going rate going up, and our ability to vaccinate. Uh, what wins? Does the infection rate go up so far, so fast, that it closes down hospitals, and then we close down the economy? Or can we slow the infection rate until the vaccinations can kick in? That's what this is all about. You add to that the UK strain, and uh, it's a dramatically different proposition. Once you say the infection rate can go up double or triple or quadruple, uh, then it's no longer a race. Then we lose the race because the vaccine supply is what is the limiting factor on the vaccine, not the distribution. And if you dramatically increase the infection rate, uh, the race is over. If you dramatically increase the infection rate, the next step would be overwhelming the hospitals. And that's the very real fear that we're dealing with now. So three priorities, slow the spread, 
uh, increase the vaccination rate, and stop viral mutations, which is something that uh, we're not paying enough attention to in this nation, in my opinion. Uh, on the vaccinations, there's two sides of the equation. There's the supply of vaccine, there's the distribution. Federal government is doing the supply. Uh, distribution is done basically by the state with the federal government uh, participating in the nursing home distribution. We are not satisfied with the federal government program to do nursing home distribution. The state has stepped in, we're expediting it. We believe we'll have all nursing home residents vaccinated over the next two weeks, and that is a very big deal. Uh, it's only the first dosage, but that is a very big deal because they are the most vulnerable population, and finishing that is extraordinarily important. Uh, second, uh, it's about protecting the hospital capacity and the hospital staff, okay? If the hospital staff gets sick, uh, then you hurt the hospital capacity. Many hospitals are now complaining that they have the beds, they don't have the staff. Why don't they have the staff? Because the staff is stretched. The nurses are stretched because the capacity is so high and because they're getting sick from COVID. The UK strain uh, now complicates that issue because if more nurses get sick, if more doctors get sick, it reduces your hospital capacity. And if you reduce your hospital capacity, then you have the worst case scenario. And the worst case scenario is a very real possibility. Uh, this is not uh, overly cautious or overly dramatic. Uh, we're cautious, uh, but we're realistic in New York. And this is a realistic possibility. We know that because we're seeing this situation develop all across the nation, all across the globe. You overwhelm the hospitals, people die. That's what happens. You overwhelm the hospitals. You have to close down the economy again. There is no choice. Once the hospitals say uh, we're at capacity, you have to close down the economy. Our, we have a warning track, if you will, where uh, when we get to within 21 days of overwhelming the hospitals, uh, we start to close down the economy. So it's game over uh, when the hospital's going to be overwhelmed. And again, the UK strain greatly complicates this entire equation. Uh, the worst situations in life tend to be a combination of bad effects. We have a problem with the infection rate today and the hospital capacity and we've been balancing that on a daily basis. You add to that equation the UK strain uh, and a higher infection rate, uh, that's when the train is going to come off the tracks. And we're seeing it all around us. That is California. California, the hospital system, is overwhelmed. And more people will die because the hospital system is overwhelmed. We went through this in the spring in the spring when we saw Italy overwhelmed with the hospital system and people die on gurneys in the hallway. Uh, 
I lived through these nightmares. Uh, so did every New Yorker. And we're seeing it happen around the globe. Uh, the UK closed down because of the UK strain. In several weeks, the UK strain took over the original COVID strain. That's how strong it is. Uh, we see it in Germany. Uh, we see it in Italy. Again, they have to close down because they're overwhelming the hospital system. So this is a very real possibility that we're worried about. Vaccinating hospital staff is vital. They should be vaccinated because, first of all, they are the front line. Everybody talks about our heroes, our nurses, our doctors. Uh, New Yorkers have celebrated nurses and doctors. We're celebrating nurses and doctors, and they deserve that celebration. You know what they deserve more than celebration? They deserve a vaccination. That's what they deserve. And they deserve it because they are the frontline workers. And they deserve it because selfishly, if our hospital staff gets sick, it's going to reduce our hospital capacity. Uh, now, I've made this point before, and we have seen a dramatic improvement in hospitalization, uh, the hospitalization vaccination. Hospitals are doing a better job. You'll see the numbers in a moment. Uh, if a hospital hits the refusal rate, if the staff in the hospital says, I don't want to take it, then fine, we'll reallocate that to another health care or nursing home that needs it. Uh, but we want to give every healthcare professional who wants the vaccine, will take the vaccine, the ability to take it. Um, we need an acceptance rate of between 70 to 90 percent of this vaccine society-wide. Uh, herd immunity is somewhere between 70 to 90. If you listen to the experts, if you listen to uh, the Dr. Fauci's of the world, they'll say the goal is 90 percent, but you have to hit at least 70 percent society-wide. And society-wide, there are going to be a lot of people who don't want to take this vaccine. Uh, you have a lot of cynicism and skepticism. Uh, you have it especially in the black community. You have the anti-vaxxer community. 90% is incredibly high. If you were giving out cash to New Yorkers, you wouldn't hit 90%. But the hospital staff, they're informed. Uh, they have to be above 70%. And they want to be. We have done a survey of hospital staff across the state. We're still in the midst of it. But about 85% of the hospital staff say they want the vaccine. That's, by the way, hospital staff without doctors. And doctors are an even higher percentage. So the hospital staff want the vaccine. And they deserve the vaccine. Uh, we just have to get it to them. And hospitals are doing a better job. The daily rate of vaccination over the past three weeks was about 10,000 hospital staff per day. Since Monday, they've been doing 30,000 
per day. So the vaccination rate has tripled since Monday. Uh, so I'm glad they heard me. But you have to keep it up because we need that hospital staff vaccinated. We need them vaccinated quickly. When you get to the point where your hospital staff says uh, the only people left won't take it, fine. Tell us and we'll move the allocation to another hospital, another nursing home. Uh, this is, again, the top 10 performing hospitals in terms of vaccinations uh, and the bottom 10. Uh, and you see the gross disparity. Highest performing, New York Langone, 100, Oswego, 100, Rich, Richmond, St. Barnabas, SUNY Downstate. Congratulations, Chancellor. Chancellor Malachius was at SUNY Downstate yesterday. One day went to 100%. Chancellor did uh, 7,000 vaccinations himself yesterday, and he's not even authorized to do them. New York Presbyterian, 99, Kaleida Buffalo, SUNY Upstate, also 94%. Uh, that's a turnaround. Adirondack Medical Center, Lenox Hill, 87%. On the other end, Montefiore, Mount Vernon, 11%. Montefiore, New Rochelle, 23%. Brookdale Hospital, 24%. Wyoming, 26, New York City, H&H, Queens, 29, Catholic Health, St. Joseph's, 29, Catholic Health, 33, New York City Health and Hospitals, Coney Island, 34, Vassar Brothers, 37, Carthage Hospital, 39. So you see the variance. Uh, performance has increased. We want it to stay increased more. Congratulations to those that are doing well. Uh, for those that are not doing well, pick up the performance or let's get another hospital to help you uh, get it done more quickly. Supply is still going to be the issue. Uh, just to give you an idea, we have received about 900,000 dosages so far. We have 2.1 million healthcare workers and uh, nursing home people. So nurses, doctors, nursing homes, which are the uh, first priority, 2.1 million. We haven't even received half the number of dosages yet. So we're pushing on the distribution side, and I'm pushing the hospitals hard, but we don't even have half the dosages that we need to do all the uh, hospital staff and nursing home staff. We're still receiving about 300,000 dosages per week from the federal government. Uh, and that means we still need about 1.2 million dosages just to get through the healthcare workers in the nursing home. Um, and uh, everyone asks me the same question. When can I get vaccinated? And I hear this all day long. I hear it from my mother, Matilda who is 75 plus, let's say, and let's leave it at that. Uh, but she would be eligible for vaccination when we get to 1B. So everybody wants to know when will they get vaccinated. 1A is the healthcare workers, that's what we're doing now. 1B are the essential workers and plus 75. Uh, 1B, just to give you an idea of the numbers, 
there are about 870,000 teachers, 200,000 first responders, 100,000 public safety workers, 100,000 public transit workers, 1.3 million people, 75 plus, um, which is surprisingly large, but it's good news. So uh, we're getting 300,000 dosages per week. Obviously, uh, it would take us uh, weeks to work through this population, if not months. Uh, in 1B, there are about 5 million essential workers, and that 1.3 million, 75 plus. So that's over 6 million people in 1B. You're getting 300,000 dosages per week. Uh, it takes a long time. Flip side is that uh, the federal government will be increasing production. They say they will. Uh, I believe they will. And frankly, the private market is increasing production. Pfizer, Moderna will be increasing. Johnson & Johnson, uh, we're keeping our fingers crossed for their efficacy test. That would be then available. That's only one dosage. Would be a pleasure. Uh, Oxford, AstraZeneca. So there are other vaccines that are coming online. The supply will go up. Uh, I can't say to my mother or to any New Yorker right now how long until we know what the supply actually is going to be. Uh, and we talk to everyone all day long. As soon as we have a more definitive answer, I will tell you. Uh, the experts are talking about March, April for large-scale general uh, population distribution. We will have a uh, truly extensive distribution network with literally thousands of distribution points across the state, uh, plus drive-through vaccination centers, just like we did drive-through COVID tests that the state will put up. We're going to be using SUNY facilities, CUNY facilities, but we will have thousands of points of distribution. We need the supply. Uh, that's what it comes down to, and that's what we're working on. Another issue, uh, newsflash. Viruses mutate. We know that. We've known that. 1918 pandemic. We know that. Uh, we know that recently, because we paid a terrible price when the Wuhan virus uh, left China, went to Europe, mutated, and came here from Europe. We have the, the virus that arrived in New York last spring was a mutation from Europe. It was not the Wuhan virus. Uh, now you see the UK strain, you see a South African strain, they're now finding a Nigerian strain, and the COVID virus mutates every couple of weeks, and there have been hundreds of mutations of the COVID virus. This country is playing mutation roulette. Well, the virus is going to mutate. Uh, well, is the next mutation going to be more lethal? Is it going to kill more people? Is the next mutation going to affect children in a way COVID-19 didn't? Is the next mutation going to be vaccine resistant? Which means you'd have to go back to the whole vaccination development process all over again. Uh, is the next vaccine going to create 
organ damage. They don't even know what the long-term consequences of this uh, COVID virus is, right? They're still doing studies of the long-term effects of COVID-19. Uh, are we sure that the next mutation won't be more dangerous or more transmittable, which we found out it is in this UK strain? And that is what is happening now every day. And we are literally playing uh, Russian roulette with it. Many countries around the world have said the virus is mutating. Before any international travelers come into our country, they need to be tested. Not a ban on travel, but they need to be tested. That makes all the sense in the world. This country hasn't done it. We talked about the UK strain days before this country took uh, any action. New York State took action before this country took action. 140 countries took action before this country took action. And now we have the UK strain. Surprise, surprise which is creating a real complication for us. Where is HHS? Uh, where is the president? Where is the vice president? Uh, technically, they're in office until they're not in office, and they should do their job. But if they're not going to do it, at least let New Yorkers protect themselves. We have the airports here. The flights from Europe come here. They come to JFK, they come to Newark. People are landing at LaGuardia Airport. Let us protect ourselves. As governor, I don't have the legal authority to say international travelers must be tested. When it came to the UK strain, I called the airlines myself and asked them to voluntarily agree, and they did. But the gateway, the entrance, is handled by the federal government, Customs and Border Patrol. Uh, the state runs through the Port Authority, the, the airport facility, but Customs and Border is all done by the federal government. Uh, I'm asking today the Customs and Border Patrol to either require in New York airports that the person shows that they were tested before admission or allow the Port Authority staff to request of people coming through customs whether or not they were tested. But uh, we don't want tens of thousands of people coming through our airports every day from countries around the world who were not tested. Uh, it's just that simple. And it makes total common sense. We have a UK strain case that we found in Saratoga. Uh, Dr. Zucker has been very aggressive about contact tracing. It appears now that there's evidence that that UK strain case in Saratoga Springs was actually connected to UK travel. Uh, so uh, if we had tested people from the UK before they got here, we wouldn't have had the UK travel spread. It's common sense. And why common sense defies government, uh, I don't know. But last night, Georgia, and Georgia changes everything. Changed the tone, the mood, 
Now we all hear the music. Uh, but yes, they were Georgia Senate seats, but it changes uh, the U.S. Senate. Uh, and one of the races still has to be completed, but uh, even the one victory is going to change uh, the landscape of the Senate. And the Senate has been uh, horrific to the state of New York. Uh, and they have been political about it. Uh, and it's been uh, really devastating for the state. And I would want to congratulate the incoming Senate Majority Leader, Senator Schumer, uh, who uh, obviously is a New York senator, and now he's going to be the Senate Majority Leader. Uh, and this was a very, very big win for the Democratic Senate. Uh, and it bodes well for the state of New York. Look, Washington has abused New York State for four years, and that is not rhetorical. Uh, they have been unethical. They have been political. They have taken money out of this state and sent it to Republican states as a pure political exercise. They've used New York as a political pinata to appeal to the conservatives around the country by demonizing New York and New Yorkers. Uh, they enhance the divisions in this country by using New York as an example. Uh, and they've had not just moral and ethical uh, violations, but they literally have taken billions of dollars from us. And that was a function of the Senate and the President, and they are both gone. Uh, and today, Washington theft ends, and compensation for the victims of the crimes of the past four years begins. And New Yorkers have been crime victims, as far as I'm concerned, by the theft of the federal government. Uh, and our message to Washington is going to be very clear. Uh, we want a return of the state's property that was stolen by Washington over the past four years. Uh, they wouldn't pass state and local funding, even though this state has a $15 billion deficit caused directly from COVID, which was caused directly by federal negligence. Uh, and they were expecting this state to find $15 billion. We've had the lowest Medicaid reimbursement in the United States because they don't believe in providing uh, health care coverage for low-income people, and we do. Uh, so they penalize, penalized us through Medicaid. Uh, basic infrastructure programs that every federal government passed and funded, they didn't fund. Uh, they stopped the Trusted Traveler program which was illegal, and then lied about it, and got caught by the U.S. Attorney uh, Prosecutor's Office uh, as a political statement. Uh, we had all sorts of great projects around the state that should have been going forward. Second Avenue Subway was funded by every administration in Manhattan. The Gateway Tunnels, uh, the president didn't fund them just out of political peak. Uh, I-81 in Syracuse we could have been rebuilding. The Buffalo Skyway, they've done tremendous damage. And then they literally changed the tax code 
to redistribute income from the state of New York to Republican states. That's all SALT was. They're against redistribution. No. They did the greatest income redistribution in history. They took from the rich states and they gave to the poor states. New York happens to be a rich state. The Republican states happen to be poorer states. They took our tax dollars and handed it to the Republican states. It then raised our property taxes $4 billion per year. An average family's taxes, property taxes, average $2,600 per year for three years. Average. It cost New Yorkers $30 billion over the past three years. Pure cash, $30 billion. We now have a $15 billion deficit. They took $30 billion. At a minimum, we have to get $15 billion this year to cover our deficit. Uh, so the state of the state is coming up Monday. Given what happened in Georgia, I now have to rewrite the state of the state because it's going to be a totally different state of the state. Uh, my state of the state was talking about the issue we had, closing a $15 billion deficit, uh, when we couldn't count on Washington for any help because Washington has been an enemy of the state uh, for many years. So how do you close a $15 billion deficit, largest deficit in the history of the state? That's what I've been working on for weeks. Just to give you an idea of how big $15 billion is, if you raised the income tax rate in this state to the highest rate in the nation, okay, which is now California, if you raise the rate, income tax rate, higher than California, and you taxed billionaires, multimillionaires, any income over $1 million, just plain old millionaire, like a millionaire's tax would suggest, highest rate, any millionaire, it only raises about $1.5, $1.6 billion. We have a $15 billion gap. That tax increase only raises 1.5. It just shows you how difficult closing the $15 billion uh, was going to be. Uh, that was going to be the state of the state. Uh, this state of the state is going to be much different. Uh, the, it's a different Senate. The Senate knows darn well what they did to us over the past four years. And they did it over the objections of many good senators, like Senator Schumer. Uh, now they have to make it right. So good news is it's a good, very good development for the state of New York. Bad news is I have to rewrite the state of the state. Uh, and the really bad news is since I'm going to rewrite the state of the state, um, I'm not going to be able to get to the Bills game this weekend which is going great. We started the drive-through testing this morning. Uh, 4,000 people will be tested in 12 hours, five minutes per car. Uh, just gives you an idea of what you can do scale in terms of testing. And again, this is a model for us. Uh, 
uh, to see how testing works to open venues uh, because uh, we have to get the economy uh, moving. But I'm going to give my bills ticket to a nurse from Erie County Medical Center, ECMC, uh, as a way of saying thank you and honoring all healthcare heroes. Uh, and I will be doing that. So I'll be here working on the state of the state, which will be a labor of love, actually, because it's going to be better news. And we deserve better news. Questions? Thank you, Governor. If you would like to ask a question, please use the raise hand function at the bottom of your window. We'll take a brief moment to compile the Q&A roster. Governor, you now have Juliet Papa from 1010 Winds. Juliet, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Hello, Ms. Papa. Hi, can you hear me now? I can hear you now. Is this a commercial for, for Verizon? Go ahead. <laughs> yes, Happy New Year. Thank Happy you. Happy New Year, Juliet. Well, uh, since you're rewriting your speech, uh, let's talk about that a little bit. What do you want to do with the stimulus money that you believe you'll get, or at least the money to cover your debt? Uh, two things. One, we have a lot of pain that has to be compensated in uh, New York State. Uh, we have tenants who can't pay back rent. We have landlords uh, who can't pay their mortgages. Uh, we have uh, um, bills, uh, governmental bills, which is what the $15 billion in state funding uh, is about. We have small businesses that need loans to reopen uh, because they've been devastated. We have restaurants uh, that need to be refinanced. Um, and then we need to build for the future. And we have to take this moment to actually anticipate the post-COVID world and build for the post-COVID world. Because the post-COVID world is going to be different. We know that. And it's going to be a different economy. And the place that does the best is the place that anticipates those changes. Uh, but my case to Washington now is going to be very simple. Uh, you, pure fairness. You took $30 billion from us and abused us and victimized us. Uh, and we are an economic engine for the nation. So uh, we need $15 billion, which is our deficit. Uh, to get through this year. If we were forced, Juliet, to do it on our own, which is what I was afraid of, it would have required sacrifices from everywhere and everyone, and it would have done damage for a long period of time. Uh, New York City uh, is under uh, true stress on many levels, right? And you hear it from people all day long. I know I hear it from people all day long. Uh, so this was not the time to make a bad situation worse. And the Senate, uh, not out of politics, but just out of justice and fairness, they know what happened to us was wrong. Next question, operator. 
Governor, you now have Marsha Kramer from CBS2. Marsha, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Happy New Year, Governor. How are you doing? I am happy today. Since Happy New Year, Marsha, it is the first day that I am happy. So Happy New Year. I am happy that you are happy. I bet you are happy that I am happy. Because when I am not happy, then I tend to share the unhappiness with people such as yourself. Well, you know, there's, there's probably a quote from Pierre Teilhard de Chardin would have something about happiness. Oh, yes, there is a quote from Teilhard de Chardin. If I am not happy, then you will not be happy. That's Teilhard de Chardin <laughs> as translated by A.J. Parkinson. I was just going to say it sounded more like A.J. Parkinson. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, Governor, I actually have some real questions. So there are reports that you are going to include in your state of the state um, uh, asking the state to approve sports betting and legalizing marijuana. I wondered if you could talk to me about both of them and why you think that's important in terms of revenue streams for this year. Yes. Look, we're going to turn to Washington for uh, compensation from uh, as crime victims, as I call it with a slight rhetorical flourish. Uh, But we're also uh, going to do our part to raise revenue. And two places where we can raise revenue, uh, one is sports betting, and I'm going to ask Rob to explain how we want to do sports betting. We want to do sports betting the way the state runs the lottery, Marsha, where the state gets the revenues. Many states have done sports betting, but they basically allow casinos to run their own gambling operations. That makes a lot of money for casinos, but it makes minimal money for the state. Uh, And I'm not here to make casinos a lot of money. I'm here to uh, raise funds for the state. So we have a different model for sports betting. Uh, And then recreational marijuana, I think this should have been passed years ago. Uh, I think too many people have been uh, imprisoned and incarcerated and punished. Uh, Too many of those people are black, Latino, and poor. Uh, It's exaggerated the injustice of the justice system. Uh, And uh, so I've supported it uh, for years. I've tried to pass it. But this is a year where we do need the funding, and a lot of New Yorkers are struggling. Uh, so uh, I think this year will have will give us the momentum to get it over the goal line. Rob, do you want to speak about sports betting though? Because there's a very big difference in the way we intend to do it. So the, the the narrative out there has been that the state is losing billions of dollars to other states uh, to sports betting, um, but the the reality is that the billions of dollars that are being wagered and the and the monies that are being made are not being made by the taxing jurisdictions. New Jersey, for example, which is the most commonly used example, in the entire three years of sports betting, um, they've collected less than $80 million, actually only $45 million in 12 months, compared to you know the billions that are being talked about. The reason being, everyone else is making a lot of money off sports betting. The jurisdiction where it's in the state is not. There are a few states that have done it a different way, where the state is contracts with the private sector who runs the sports books, but the state ends up getting the majority of what is left over after everything is returned uh, to the betters. 
So the difference between the two estimates would be between the state making somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 million a year versus $500 million a year. So the way the governor is proposing it, and we'll advance it, is so that the state can get up to $500 million a year instead of 50, and that money would then go to uh, the state budget. Otherwise, for the betters, it's seamless, and it's exactly the same. The only difference is state gets the money versus um, others. And that's, that's, uh, that's the proposal, which you'll see uh, when the governor puts out his executive budget. Rob, how much do we think we would raise from marijuana? Marijuana has a longer uh, just runway by the, time you, by the time you set it up. But by the time it's fully effective, uh, under our proposal, you'll get about $300 million a year. But again, that will take several years to get up to those numbers. And again, marijuana, as everyone knows, Massachusetts has legalized marijuana. New Jersey is going to legalize marijuana. So uh, what are we really talking about at this point? Next question, operator. Governor, you now have Jacqueline Slater from WNYT. Jacqueline, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Yeah, hi, Governor. Um, just wondering, a week ago, week and a half ago, you had talked about a vaccination campaign, an um, educational campaign. So we're kind of wondering, where does that stand right now? What's been done? What can we expect um, as far as making sure that everybody's getting on board with this? Yeah, the, uh, that's a very good point. Look, we have to get to 70 to 90 percent to hit critical uh, immunity, right? Herd immunity. 70 to 90 is a very high percentage. Uh, this is not the COVID nasal test. This is a vaccine. It's a needle. People are nervous about vaccines. There was skepticism about the way this vaccine was developed. There was skepticism about the Trump administration. There was skepticism about an accelerated approval process. There's skepticism among the black community for good reason uh, with what happened in Tuskegee, et cetera. So uh, getting to 70 to 90% is very, very difficult. Uh, that's why with the healthcare community, which is where we're starting, uh, we want to make sure we get closer to 90% uh, because that is a community that is informed and understands how important this is. And they're also setting an example. Uh, we, will, we will have an aggressive education campaign for the public about the vaccine uh, timed for when it will be open to the public. We're not yet open to the public, right? We're doing healthcare workers. Uh, and then 1B will go into essential workers and 75 plus. Uh, and that's when we'll start the public education campaign. When will we start a large-scale public availability? We have the distribution mechanism ready. We just need the supply. Again, we're getting 300,000 per week. We have 2 million healthcare workers in this state, 2.1 million, uh, including nursing home residents and staff. We still don't even have enough for the 2.1 million. We're only at 900,000 of the 2.1 million, so we're not even halfway in supply through the healthcare workers. Um, and with the healthcare workers, we haven't hit the point where healthcare workers, uh, the point of refusal, we call it. In other words, 
let's say 85% of the healthcare workers take the vaccine. Let's say 15% don't. Okay, when a hospital gets to 85% and says, I offered it to everyone, this 15% doesn't want to take it, fine. Then we'll take that allocation, we'll move it on. But we're not there yet. Uh, we don't have enough to do the healthcare workers. We don't have, we haven't reached healthcare worker refusal uh, levels. And when it, we do get the supply to open to the general public, then we'll start the public education campaign. But it's going to be an effort to get to 70 to 90. I'll tell you that. And we have to do much better than 70 with the healthcare community. Otherwise, forget herd immunity. What's less than herd immunity? Single cow immunity? What would they do? <laughs> Next question, operator. Governor, you now have Juan Manuel Benitez from New York One. Juan, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Good afternoon, Mr. Governor. How are you? How are you? Good to hear your voice. Very, very good. Thank you. You're asking the federal government to impose more travel controls in order to fight the new UK COVID-19 variant. But that highly contagious variant is already present in New York State. What additional protective measures are you implementing? And what other information do you have about that Saratoga case that you're saying now is connected to travel? Are there more New Yorkers infected with this variant? What are the findings of your test and trace program? Okay. Uh, the UK variant was first detected in the UK, hence the UK variant. We in New York did the first ban requiring testing of anyone who came from the UK. I did that with the airlines. Uh, I asked the federal government to do it. Days later, the federal government required testing. Obviously, days are relevant here because you have tens of thousands of people coming every day. It only takes one. Uh, so the UK variant got here because I believe the country was slow. Uh, we then do more testing than any state in the nation, and we do more testing for this UK variant. The UK variant test is a very complicated test. It takes the CDC two weeks to run one specimen for the UK variant. Uh, our state laboratory, it takes 40 hours to run that test, the UK variant test. We've run about 5,000 UK variant tests. We found one case in Saratoga Springs, Saratoga County. That case, Dr. Zucker uh, can speak about this uh, and, um, and, and respect the HIPAA laws, they then contact Trace off that case. The case was an employee in a jewelry store in, in Saratoga Springs. In the contact tracing, it appears that that person was in contact with a person who traveled from the UK to the United States uh, and was infected. Let me leave it there because I don't want to violate any privacy rights. But, Dr. Zucker, do you want to explain? 
I, th I think, uh, Governor, you covered, <clears throat> you covered it exactly. Um, so there, we do contact Tracy, as the Governor mentioned, uh, and when you do that, you find out whether there's anybody, where they've been, uh, and through that contact tracing, uh, we identified somebody who had a contact with uh, somebody who had been uh, in the United Kingdom. And so we follow up on this. And uh, as the governor mentioned, the test for, uh, and then we will look for a genome sequencing. Uh, and a way to look at the genome sequencing issue is it's very much like if you looked at a book and you wanted to read every single letter in the book. So that's why it takes a significant period of time to get the results, because you have to check to be sure one specific letter in a word uh, was not uh, different and that's how um, that's a simple way of looking at the uh, the, the testing but uh, we will uh, look at all those samples as well thank you but the other point Juan about the it's the virus is mutating every day how many mutations have there been of the virus been been dozens say? dozens of mutations. Dozens. so there have been dozens of mutations and who knows if the next mutation is uh, is going to be effective with the vaccine? Who knows if the next mutation is going to be more lethal? Who knows if the next mutation is going to do permanent damage? So uh, we know this is mutating. Why don't you test people before they come into the country? I mean, it's, it's also in their best interest. Give them a test. If they're positive, they would want to know that. But you don't, you don't need to be inviting the virus in especially when this is what happened to us in the spring. This is the exact same thing. That's why it's frustrating. Next question, operator. Governor, you now have Dennis Slattery from New York Daily News. Dennis, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Good afternoon, Governor. How are you? How are we doing, Dennis? Good. Uh, two questions. One is when asked the – I'm sorry, the mayor announced this morning that starting today – NYPD personnel will be eligible to get the vaccine. He's hoping to get at least 10,000 NYPD vaccinated by this Sunday. Can you talk about that and how that works into the state eligibility? And also, on December 22nd, there was an incident involving a state trooper on, on the thruway in Ulster that left an 11-year-old girl dead. The family of the little girl is claiming that the trooper involved pepper sprayed the driver before ramming the vehicle off the road. Do you have any comment on that situation? Okay, two things. Uh, one, the only people eligible now are healthcare workers. Uh, now, healthcare workers involve EMS, EMT. So, members of the fire department who are EMS or EMT, or members of uh, police department uh, who are EMS or EMT in any police department across the state or fire department across the state. Uh, they are all eligible as health care workers. Uh, police who are not health care workers are not yet eligible. Uh, we need to get the health care population done first because they are the front line. And as I mentioned before, uh, nurses and doctors who are in the emergency rooms, in the nursing homes, this is the top priority. Uh, we want to make sure they don't get sick. They're, they have the greatest exposure, and we want to make sure they don't get sick because they would also be the super spreaders. Uh, and because we would then have diminished hospital capacity, which would mean we would have to close uh, sooner. So uh, a poli police, fire, correction officers, they're essential workers in 1B. 
but 1B is not yet open. Uh, and that's state law. It governs every city in the state. On the state trooper issue, I have heard nothing about that, uh, Mr. Slattery, so uh, I just don't know. I have heard nothing. Um, but I will check with the state police and see if they have a comment. But I heard nothing. Have you heard anything about that? Yeah, that was reported um, over the last several days, and uh, there were conflicting reports initially of what actually happened there, and so I know that the um, event in question is under review, and obviously our heart goes out to the family who lost someone. Yeah, I did not see those reports. Next question, operator. Governor, you now have Jesse McKinley from the New York Times. Jesse, your line is now open. Please unmute your microphone. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? We can hear you. <laughs> Victory. Um, two quick questions. Um, considering that there is supply inside the vaccination chain, uh, what is the rationale for not opening it up to 1B so that some patients could at least get vaccinated at this point? And a second question would be on downstate casino licenses. I know that those are technically not supposed to be released until 2023, but has any consideration been given considering the revenue shortfalls to opening those up prior to that? Uh, I haven't given it any consideration. Uh, and there isn't supply, Jesse. We have received 900,000 dosages for 2.1 million uh, healthcare workers and nursing home workers. Uh, and Many of those nursing home workers and healthcare workers have not yet been offered the vaccine. So you don't have half enough supply to do the healthcare workers, and the healthcare workers are the top priority. Uh, so you don't have supply. If there, you would have supply, if a hospital says, I offered it to my healthcare workers, and all those who would accept it have been vaccinated or have had a chance to be vaccinated. Then you would have supply. In other words, there will be a refusal rate even for healthcare workers. We hope the refusal rate uh, is lower than 20% because we have to be 70 to 90 overall. I've said repeatedly, any hospital that says, I have extra supply because I've offered all my healthcare workers and they won't take it, then call the Department of Health, we'll take that allocation and give it to another hospital or nursing home that needs it. Because overall, when 900 out of 2.1 million, we're not even halfway there. So any individual hospital that hits saturation and has additional doses left over, uh, great. Then we'll use that because we're not halfway there. Uh, second problem would be a hospital calls up and says, uh, I'm only at 70% acceptance rate. I'm only at 60% acceptance rate. 
that's going to be a medical problem because that's a very low percentage to operate a hospital. Okay? Let's take one more question. Or was that the last question? Thank you. Congratulations, Georgia. Congratulations to the U.S. Senate. Congratulations to the state of New York.